0: Welcome to the Filipino American Women Project, a podcast show that shares stories and life lessons told by individuals living or have lived in America that are of Filipino descent and identify as female. I'm your host, Jen Amos, a fellow Filipino American woman, and I'm excited for you to join us. Let's get started. All right. Hi, everyone. Jen Amos here with the Filipino American Woman Project podcast show. And as always, I am here with my co host, Nani Dominguez. Nani, welcome back to the show.
1: Thank you. Hello.
0: Awesome. And we are stoked because we have another incredible woman that we are interviewing today. Uh, Clarice Aguilera is the creator of the Tagalog Project, which is her personal quest to teach her daughter Isabel about the Philippines, its people, the language and its culture and values. As a Filipino-American, it's important for Clarice to preserve her cultural heritage by teaching Isabel Tagalog. In the process, she's discovering herself, what it means to be Filipino in the diaspora. Clarice, welcome to the show.
1: Hi, welcome guys. Thank you for inviting me on your show.
0: Yeah, it's our absolute pleasure. Uh, Why don't we start by you sharing how did you hear about our project and why did you decide to be on our show today?
1: first heard about the show from Nani. She came to Filipino Storytime. So, she told me about it. I mean, I was already um following you on Instagram, but I thought it was just, you know, inspirational quotes. I didn't really know it was a podcast. So, I really love the name and that's what compelled me to look up the the podcast and listen to the episodes. And I was intrigued to find out that the purpose of the project is to write a book one day, and I love that idea of, of compiling Stories of women, women who identify themselves as, as binai, and a thing that's really valuable. Something that, you know, it's a book that I would probably want to read someday.
0: Yeah, I'm really glad that you said that. One thing about the Instagram account is essentially I sort of a one, one one ban when it comes to producing the show. And obviously I have amazing people like Nani who helps me uh, do these interviews. But with the Instagram account, in case anyone is wondering, we will be updating it more, you know, uh, not just the stories, but actually posting on there. And now that we have a good collection of interviews, I can start to create posts for people that uh, like little snippets of each episode uh, as images on Instagram, so just be on okay. the lookout for that. Uh, I have just been preoccupied, obviously, with actually producing the show and then <laughs> doing the interviews and stuff. But uh, who knows? Like, if anyone, I—it's I, been really cool because uh, people have been reaching out asking how they can get involved with the Filipino American Woman Project and uh, just. throwing it out there. If anyone is interested in in helping with the Instagram account, uh, I would love to have that conversation with you. (laughs) So that's out there right now. Uh, so that's the first thing I wanted to talk about what you, uh, about what you said, Clarice. And then the second thing is, yeah, I, um, I think if we have more stories where it is about the Filipino American woman experience, and if we can can get it in a book form, that's just one more thing we can add contribute to the overall community. And I don't want to do this alone, which is why I want to collect all these stories so that, you know, we can be this strong front of women who have like opened their heart to this project and be able to share it for generations to come. So I really appreciate you saying that. Speaking about the Filipino American Woman Project and also uh, the Tagalog Project, how about you share with us uh, why you identify as a Filipino American woman today?
1: Well, a little bit about myself for your listeners. I am 1.5 generation Filipino American, born in the Philippines, and I moved to L.A. when I was 11 years old. So I grew up in LA, mostly went to University of Southern California for a School of Architecture and, and after graduation went to San Francisco where I met my husband. Most of my families are still in LA and for work, I'm a designer for an architecture firm in Napa Valley and I work full time and I'm mommy to Isabel. So it's really tough, it's it's a struggle. It's I think that raising a child in the u.s and you still want to keep your values as filipino is one of the things that i'm always questioning you know because there's a lot of cultural differences Mm -hmm. right and being filipino-american or i guess being filipino-american woman it's like i'm always like questioning these things you know growing up there's like expectations for you as as a as a woman there's expectations for you to obey the uh, respect your elders and obey the authorities but that's like the Filipino way here it's you're encouraged to ask questions and be your own person be independent and I'm always going back and forth like what you know am I going to be like what kind of mom am I going to be am I going to be like a Filipino mom am I going to be Filipino American mom it's like I'm just going to be myself and Mm -hmm. it's really tough to go in and out and in, being in between. And, but I guess that's kind of what I have to be because I am in, in this situation where one foot is in the Philippines because like I was born there. I have, you know, my values are still from the Philippines, still speak the language, my family's still there. It's very much deep rooted in that culture. But then I'm here now, you know, like, do I want to raise my child as the same way that I was raised by my mom? And I think the answer that is you have to be your own person. And I think a lot of Filipino-American women are in that same struggle of trying to find like their own identity and their own sense of self in the way they, that they do things here in the US.
0: You know, I can only imagine cuz you know Nani and I we we don't have kids and I think when in our situation where it's just about us and figuring out our own identity I think it must be an extra challenge as a mother to try to, it's like, okay, well, I'm still trying to figure it out. So what do I try to instill in my daughter?
1: Right, so, right. I mean, same thing, you know, <laughs> it's like, yeah, do you want to, you know, it's just, there's a lot of questions. I'm just a lot. There's a lot of questions that I'm going through, right? Now. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Do you feel like these questions started to really come up and become important to you because you're a mother? Or had they always kind of been a part of you since you moved here to America?
1: No, I think it's definitely since becoming a mother, because you're constantly, you know, wanting to be the like, have the right upbringing for your child. And you're, I mean, for me, like, I read all the books, all the podcast and all the research out there. I mean, and there's a ton, right? Like, there's all these damages that you can do if you like, hold your kid too much or if you don't give them attention what kind of parenting style are you going to do it's, it's a lot to take and even when I was pregnant I was starting to think about like how what kind of a mom I'm going to be and still something that I think about constantly it came out because of being of being a mom. Mm.
0: Well thank you uh, Clarice for Really, really sharing that. And um, I can only imagine what it's like to be a mother today. And part of why I started this project is because I thought to myself, you know, if I am going on Google right now as a millennial, looking up what it means to be a Filipino American woman, and I'm not seeing anything positive, you know, what would it be like if my kids, who are probably going to be born with a phone in their hand, (laughs) you know, what are they going to look up? And for me, this project was more of like, it really was this proactive way of me to like create this groundwork and address those issues and be in community with other women who experience the same thing and feel the same way. So that if, or when, you know, I do have kids, it's like, cool, I have I have this to give them. I have this book, this gift. And if not them, then hopefully other people in the Filipino community who want to be able to provide something for their kids and even just for themselves, for their own self-discovery sake. So uh with that said, I uh, so you shared a little bit about your life with us today already, Clarice, which I really appreciate. And you work full-time and you're a mother. Outside of all of that, if you have time, <laughs> why don't you also share with us uh what, what else keeps you busy and most excited about your life nowadays?
1: Well, I'm working on this blog and I'm really excited about the momentum that I'm I'm creating and the, the interest in and within the Filipino community to teach their kids Tagalog, and I'm really excited to connect with other Filipino American families. I started this blog because I wanted to have playdates for my for my daughters. I started when she was like 11 months old, and I was looking for native speakers like me. And what I found were instead of native speakers, like there were parents there of second or third generation Filipino-Americans who also wanted to learn more about their culture, but they didn't know Tagalog. And so on our first story time, I was pretty much the only one singing Bahai and two toddlers who isn't even talking yet. So I was like their entertainer. So starting uh, the Tagalog Project, it was just a meetup group. And you know we used to go up and down the Bay Area and we would do it at local parks. And this project keeps me busy. We used to go to like Fremont and Berkeley and just connect with other parents. And when I feel like the, the park thing wasn't really working because of the weather, the the weather was really unpredictable and it was hard to keep focused. So especially when we had the fires last year, the air quality was really bad and we couldn't at mm-hmm. local parks anymore. That was like around November 2018. And so from then on, um, my goal was to find a new venue, to find something more consistent. Because I think if you're l- learning about language, you have to be really consistent. And that's something that, you know, having this meetup group, it's something that all moms can rely on, something that occurs every month. And um, it's like a cultural meetup. And when I was looking for venues, the library was my first choice. Because I live in Pinole, I was able to make a commitment to the Pano library. So I'm so glad that they had room for us. And it was also a bonus that they have a Filipiniana collection. And now Filipino Storytime is a monthly event that we hold every fourth Saturdays of the month from 3 to 4.30 p.m. And it's a lot of fun because it's a lot of babies and singing and toddlers. And we do arts and crafts. And of course, we read Filipino stories in both Tagalog and English. You know, I'm really fortunate that this area that I live in is like a Filipino enclave. Historically, it's been, I think Vallejo had a lot of Filipinos also because of the Navy. So my area, like Pino, Hercules, San Pablo, Richmond area, like that's like the East Bay, Northeast Bay, that actually has like the third largest population of Filipinos in California. And with Hercules having like 25% Filipino. I found out a week, about a few weeks ago that this Filipiniana collection that we have in the Pano Library was started by a woman named Cora Ramos and she was a librarian for Panult and she started the children's collection and she used to do Filipino story time and I'm really happy that I'm moving her legacy forward and yeah, so that's been my goal is to promote uh, language and promote community within the Filipino parents group because I think that. When you have, I mean, if you have a desire for, for learning language, I feel like you really need community to practice it. You can't just do it in an isolated space. You have to communicate and have interact, human interaction, human interactions. So moving forward, I really want Filipino Storytime to be more like community-based and a community-led event. So you know, I'm always asking for or looking for um, guest readers and, you know, I mean, for myself too, in order for it to be sustainable, I can't always be the one leading it because mm-hmm. it's, it's a little bit hard to put it together and to always have it consistently every month. So if I'm not always the one doing the reading, then I'm totally cool with that. And so fortunate that within, even within just the Bay Area, we have a lot of volunteers so last month we had Christina Newhart of Sarisari Books. She's a publisher and author of children's books in different Filipino dialects and/or languages.
2: Wow! And
1: she's promoting the um, diversity in language and you know preserving some of these dialects. Some of these dialects are used in like very remote places in the Philippines. And so she has books in Cebuano, Waray, Ivatan, Chavacano. It's like really wonderful to have all these books that represent diversity within the Filipino culture. And then, you know, uh, for this month, we actually have another Filipino mom who is an Instagram blogger. Her name is Roanne. And she has a blog called Calamansi Juice for you. And she came to Filipino Storytime and I asked her, hey, if you want to be a guest reader, you can totally lead the next one. And she's great because she's, you know, we're on the same page and exploring like positive parenting and the cultural differences in being Filipino in the U.S. So she's a licensed psychotherapist. She has twin girls and a toddler, and so she's going to be joining us for, next, for this month, actually, which is next week, Filipino Storytime. I think as a Filipino mom living in the U.S., motherhood has like, opened up a lot of unique challenges for me. I think that mothers have historically had the social responsibility of maintaining culture. That means not just language, but traditions and Filipino values, right? That's one of the things, again, that I said that I keep struggling with. I've been having to really question back and forth what kind of Filipino mom I'm going to be. And I want to I use an example. Uh, back in the Philippines, there's this concept of that you should be able to control your child's behavior with just one look. In Tagalog, it's called uh, makuha say something tingin, to get with one book. And this concept is really rooted from a, like a fear-based parenting style. Mm. To be able to control someone with just one book is pretty remarkable. And in the Philippines, that's usually because a parent is using some kind of like, power or threat to get the kid to listen or do what they want. And as a mom, I realized that I don't want to be that kind of parent Mm -hmm. you know like I want to be able you know I want my daughter to be able to come to me and like talk to me and ask questions and I think that I want to be really intentional about it I think that what we say to our kids is really going to have an effect I want to choose my words and I want to because I think words matter what we say to our children will affect their self-esteem and their confidence and how they cooperate. And this is why, you know, this is something I really have to work on because I speak to her in Tagalog and I have to choose my words carefully when I'm translating things in Tagalog. and And that's the root of why I post words in Tagalog because it's really intentional and it's a way for me to work through the meaning behind words. And, you know, I have to be honest, like if you're with a toddler and you're in the heat of the moment, the words doesn't exactly roll right off your tongue. You know, Even as a native speaker, Tagalog is my first language. But, you know, living in the U.S., I still think in English and I always communicate in English. So when I translate, it's like really a thought process. Yeah. So that's really been what I'm really busy about these days.
0: I can tell that you have such a big passion for this. And it sounds like your daughter was a big catalyst for you doing all of this. And I just want to applaud you for how much you've done for this project, doing these meetups and traveling, you know, along around California to, to do these. I, I'd love to get uh, Nani's take. Nani, you met Clarice at one of her events. Uh, would you uh, be able to kind of share what that experience was like for you? And if you have any thoughts on anything Clarice said as well, uh, feel free to share.
2: Yeah, I mean, the Filipino story time was so much fun. We I found it on Instagram because my best friend who has the baby, she's not uh, active on social media really at all. So I'm always kind of sending her these things that we can take him to because since she's become a mother, that's obviously become something that's really important to her very fast too now is being able to provide some kind of cultural background and context for her son who is very mixed. I mean, she is half Filipina and half Irish, and then Laurent's dad is Black. And so it's kind of a lot of different cultures in that household that they want to make sure that he's in touch with. And since she's not super connected with she didn't grow up kind of very close with her Filipino family the way that I did. It's important for us to find things like this to take him to so that he can have that experience. And obviously, if he could learn some Tagalog, that would be amazing. And we plan to continue to go. Obviously, she's super into it. And she would love to be one of your guest readers. I think she already signed up (laughs) up to do that queries.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. I always need, you know, help with the reading. And if they can, if you guys want to volunteer, absolutely. I, I just like to get everybody together. I think that Part of like a teaching tool is also to have others teach you different words. And so you remember mm-hmm. the words yeah. better because, oh, Nani taught me this. Or it's Jen who taught me this. Or right. it's a it's like a, a, it's a teaching tool to have like a face to a word or a face to a name or something. All right. Jen Amos here jumping
0: into the middle of our show, as I always do, to remind you why this show is possible. So, you know, at the end of every episode, I tend to say, If you didn't catch our guest contact info, don't worry, we'll have those in the show notes. Check them out. I work so hard on them. You're welcome. Well, it's been brought to my attention that our show notes are not as easy to find as I thought, which is why starting summer 2020, the Filipino American Woman Project is proud to be partnering with Captivate, the world's only growth-oriented podcast host. Captivate is created for independent podcasters, designed from day one to help you to focus on audience growth and the expansion of your audio influence. One way that Captivate makes our lives easier as independent podcasters is by taking the guesswork out of making a website for your show. That's right, a website for your show. So listeners, starting summer 2020, finding our show notes will be so much easier. All thanks to Captivate. You're welcome, as always. If you're about to start podcasting or are getting burnt out from all the extra work of producing one, like building a website, consider a seven-day free trial, that's right, free, with Captivate by visiting thephilamwoman.com. That's the Philam, short for Filipino American Woman.com. Or, you know, check out our show notes in the meantime, which is in the details section of each episode. Once again, you can visit thefilamwoman.com or visit the details section of this episode.
2: It definitely comes across. I mean, especially when you're in a room full of kids that are not paying attention Mm -hmm. and just want to do their own thing. It's important to be kind of thoughtful about those things. (laughs) I mean, she's definitely all in. We were going to come to the one for this month, that's next week, but she's got a throw an engagement party for her sister that day so we we won't be able to make it to this one but we are going to plan to be there for joanne's reading um, right right joanne rondia is doing next month right
1: right uh, she's going to be doing september so um september yeah for, yeah september we are going to have a special topic for the filipino story time it's going to be on how to talk to kids about race we have a guest reader. Her name is Professor Joanne Rondelia, and she's a expert. She's a scholar on
2: colorism mm-hmm.
1: and colonial mentality within the Filipino community. And, you know, I heard about her on a, another podcast, t uh, This Filipino American Life. Shout out to Elaine DeWala, mm-hmm. <laughs> previous, previous guest. Yes, girl. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I listen to that podcast on my way to work because you know i have such a long commute and i you know just thought maybe i just drop her a dm and see if she wants to be a guest reader and she was absolutely like so nice she agreed to it actually we we found time to meet with each other uh, me and uh, joanne a few weeks ago uh we met up in fremont and we kind of discussed on what we were going to do for the story time and also like how we're going to handle questions and things like that but I thought you know like she doesn't really know me but she still made time for me and I think that is so mm-hmm. rare mm. and it really is. amazing because we're so caught up in like social media and like screen time and all that but I feel like the the fact that she was able to make time for me is so incredible and I realized that why I'm doing Filipino Storytime is for the human connection. Because I could just do this by myself, right, like without the added production. But we learn from people, we learn from the social interaction. So Filipino story time is not just about learning Tagalog. It's about community. It's about getting together and checking in and asking other parents, well, how are you teaching your kids about our culture? You know, getting support from each other and, and learning from each other. Because, you know, there are videos and and YouTube and cartoons and language apps, but if you don't use it for human interaction, you could just learn the language, but you won't really make the connection. Um, What's the use of learning the language if you're not going to communicate? You know, language is for communication and you have to use it to interact. So I'm really grateful for like all the families that made time to go to Filipino Storytime and all the parents who bring their kids to the library and giving them a valuable gift for, you know, yeah. having community. We're super
2: grateful that you have put this together and it's been so successful thus far. And for me, this is the closest thing that I have to a kid besides my dog. So um, <laughs> that's also really important for me because obviously I feel very close with <laughs> my friends. So their babies are my babies.
1: <laughs> right. But, um, no,
2: Yeah, and it's important for me also not to, especially because he's an only child at this point, and he's not surrounded by a lot of other kids, let alone a lot of other Filipino kids. It's also Mm -hmm. important for me to provide that kind of, that kind of Bayanihan spirit that uh, Filipino families have, you know, when you're with all your cousins or your siblings or whatever, I want him to have that experience that too. So I'm very grateful for you and, and this project that you're putting on as well.
1: You know, I know that some Filipino-American parents have regrets that they didn't learn Tagalog, and I wonder what, I mean, I'm, I'm going to ask both of you, what, you know, I wonder what parents, what your parents could have done to give you a stronger identity and a stronger cultural foundation. I'm always curious about, like, Filipino-American perspectives. So I wonder what your parents could have done to give you a stronger identity.
0: Nani, do you wanna go first?
2: (laughs) Sure, (laughs) I'll go. Yeah, that is a huge question. And I love that you are asking people that thinking, kind of thinking backwards in that way for your own kids. And for me, I think that what would have been most helpful for me with both of my parents, not just my dad, was if they were more in touch with their cultural identities and able to provide more context. I mean, my dad is, I'm not really sure how to unpack my dad yet, but he's, he's Filipino in his own ways, but he's not, like growing up, he's always told me that I should be proud to be Filipino, but he's never told me why or explained, you know, elaborated on that at all or really displayed that in his own example, in his own life. You know I don't see him doing anything with the community or trying to speak the language or anything like that. So it was it occurred to me later on in life, out of my own experience that that was important to me, and that was something that I wanted to explore and and learn more about. But I think it would have been really helpful, you know while I was younger before I even was able to grasp these kind of concepts if they were more kind of displaying of and knowledgeable of their own. I guess just more embracing of their own cultures.
1: Yeah, it's uh it's like you know you want to follow the, the you they have to model the behavior before you can yourself know it, right? Exactly. So like and they and need to have a strong have, identity in order for you to have a stronger cultural foundation. It's it's like if they don't exactly. have it, like you can't have it either. And
2: not only display it but also communicate, like talk about it and kind of be open with When you say you don't know, if if I asked my parents a question, both of them have always been very like matter of fact. And for Mm -hmm. me, I think it would have been helpful to know, like, if you don't know the answer to something, just say, I don't know, you know, and let's find Mm -hmm. out together and kind of how you're doing with your kids, you're exploring in your own ways, but also to teach them. So yeah, kind of being more open, voluntarily open and honest about their struggles with their own uh, identity formation, and maybe that's not something that they were able to be t- to talk to me about because it's not something that they've really processed themselves. but if they had been, that would have been helpful. And another thing that I think is really important in interracial families or bi racial, whatever the correct term is, is for the kids to see the cultures interacting together. So even though like my mom and my dad hated each other, they divorced when I was three, like I don't have no. Memories of them even being together in one room. <laughs> so my whole life, they didn't speak to each other. They didn't speak nice of each other at all. And that obviously was difficult for me, but I saw my mom and my dad interacting with each other's families in a way that made me feel really secure and really good. My grandma on my dad's side, my Filipino grandma was a big help to my mom when she had me because my mom had never had kids before. She didn't know what to do with the baby, obviously. And my grandma on my Russian side was not as hands-on. My Filipino grandma just came in and took over and became my mom's best friend, essentially. And they had an amazing relationship regardless of what my mom and my dad were going through. And that, for me, is like the anchor of my identity in kind of exploring it now as an adult and trying to work backwards and Define what that means. I always have that as a solid, like to know that the beauty of that relationship, like I was the root
1: of that. Mm-hmm. Wow, I, I was. I'm curious. Is your dad like second generation, or you know, did he was he born no, he, in the Philippines he was or there? <laughs>
2: yeah, he, oh, was he was born oh. there. Yeah, and he came here. Uh, he's the oldest of his three brothers, so he was born in the Philippines. They came here. My grandpa was in the navy. So they lived in Balejo. All of my Filipino family is in Balejo, Fairfield, those. Right. So
1: okay. Yes. Yeah, so, did yeah. your grandfather work at the the Mare Island?
2: Yes, I believe so. Yes, I should know the answer to all those questions, but I'm not. Um, my my grandparents didn't share a lot of their stories. They my grandpa talked a lot about being in the Navy, but in terms of kind of their back and forth, coming here and going back to the Philippines and coming back here. They never talked about it a lot, so I don't have a lot of context, but that's also kind of part of what I'm doing now, trying to find the answers to those kinds of questions. But yes, I think he did work on
1: Mare Island. I'm pretty positive. Awesome. There used to be like a Filipino cultural center in Vallejo. I I don't know if it's still there, but it's a big Filipino community. Mm -hmm. There's actually a book about Filipinos in Vallejo and oh, really? <laughs> um, it just it tells you all the yeah it has like old pictures and they have like a, a mabuhay restaurant which is like one of the earliest filipino restaurants in the 1950s like they didn't you know, have many filipino restaurants but i i, I will share that oh, wow. um, book with you when yeah. i see you next time but yeah, it's interesting your like. history in in vallejo do you still live in vallejo
2: no i live so my mom has always lived in oakland and then my dad's family was kind of scattered but my grandparents were in Vallejo and everyone essentially lived with my grandma at one point or my grandpa (laughs) so yeah Vallejo is kind of our hub and then I've got some cousins in uh, Vacaville and Fairfield as well
1: yeah that's all um there's a lot of Filipinos there too (laughs) well we're everywhere
2: (laughs) yes we're everywhere for sure
0: yeah we're like sprinkled all over the world (laughs) (laughs) In just a few minutes of us like really talking and and me just listening to you, Clarice, I just want to just acknowledge like how empathetic and just thoughtful you are. The fact that you're an introspective. And the reason why I say that is when you were asking us like informing our cultural identity, what do I wish my parents gave me to have a stronger identity? And for me, so I I lost my dad uh, when I was 10. And, and so most of my bringing was about my relationship with my mom, who is, uh, who is from the Philippines. So, so both my parents were from the Philippines. And then my dad joined the Navy, I think in the, in the seventies. And then that's how we were able to, you know, come over here. And I was born as a, as an American in, in Japan, a Navy base. And after, after we lost my dad, my, the one thing that I really feel like I, I wish my mom gave me even before like uh, having a cultural identity is just being empathetic. Uh, my mom is very much like, kind of like a workaholic. Especially after we lost mm-hmm. my dad, it was a lot of like, okay, I got to raise these three young kids that are all under eleven years old, and I got to provide for them. I got to do this for them. And and of course, I'm a, I'm eternally eternally grateful for the sacrifices that she made and having to deal with discrimination um, in the workplace for so long. Because uh, she, you know, she's maintained her accent. She hasn't gotten rid of it in any way and I don't think she ever will and I'm glad you know I I, I'm glad Mm -hmm. that she you know still embraces it and my mom like always modeled Filipino culture I think like just she does in the household and 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 like how she's very resourceful and stuff like that but for me too, like because I was the kind of daughter that really needed a lot of emotional support and my mom was just not empathetic. Like she wasn't like insensitive. She just wasn't empathetic. Like when I needed someone to nurture me, she was very solution oriented. She was like, well, do this, do that. Just quit that if that's hurting you. And so Mm -hmm. unfortunately, yeah, unfortunately most of my upbringing, like as like my anger grew as, as I grew up and because I just felt like, like, what? Is, what is it? I my my anger grew as my resentment, emotional resentment. Yeah, yeah as my as my emotional needs grew, and you know we a couple years ago in my mid in my mid twenties, like there was a point where I. I couldn't handle her anymore. I was very frustrated with our our relationship that I moved out on the night of like Thanksgiving a couple years ago, and this was I think this was like six seven years ago now. Actually, I'm 31 now, and uh, fast forward to today, we're doing a lot better. (laughs) Just so we have a very awesome, uh, healthy relationship, partly because I got to a place where I realized that my mom was not going to be that person for me, and I had and I had to be okay with that. I had to realize that this is my mom it's not her responsibility to be my expectation of what a mom should be. I'm going to have to like find that in community and other people, uh, which, you know, later on in life, I actually um, was really involved in, in this church group back in California before I moved to Virginia. And it was, I had a lot of what I call mom friends. So, so I was able to kind of fulfill that emotional nurturing, you know, need from that through my friends. But I would say because of that, because I didn't have that, like, empathetic need filled with my mom, it really made me feel, like, disconnected from not just her, but my overall, like, family and and community. So,
1: um,
0: so that's my answer to, to
1: your question. Yeah, I mean, I think that's, like, part of being Filipino, too, right? Like, sometimes Filipinos don't really talk about their emotions. Mm-hmm. Like, we're, I mean, like, growing up, like, I don't think I said I love you to my mom. (laughs) Mm -hmm. You know, it's like I think Filipinos have a different way of showing their like how they care. Like instead of saying I love you, they say kumain kana. Like did you eat? Mm -hmm. You know, -hmm. it's like it's it's a way that they can kind of you know to survive. Or I feel like the way that we were raised it's like very practical. Like okay, you need to have this, this, and this to have your basic needs. And all the emotions just kind of like, we don't talk about it. It's mm-hmm. just going to get swept up under a rug. And yeah, I, I can kind of feel how you're feeling. Like you're not able to have that relationship with your mom and it, it can eat at you. Or I can, I, I mean, I'm getting so much perspective from both of you. <laughs> so thank you for, <laughs> for sharing your, your answers with me, with your whole
0: <laughs> well the feeling is mutual trust me I, I and I just I'm just enjoying hearing you talk Clarice because I I feel like I get a sense of what maybe my mom would be thinking except that mm-hmm. she wouldn't communicate it because just like what you said the way that she does communicate it is through action through providing yeah. through being there for me and when i got yeah. to that place in my life like i was able to forgive myself for holding that expectation on my mom and then forgive my mom for not fulfilling that and and now we're just in this awesome place where i could just be unapologetically myself and and know that she's going to love me no matter what like it was never about trying to please her because she was always just happy that we were provided for and you know we all got our college degrees and we're all out of the house you know and now she's just in this like euphoric state of oh I'm so blessed you know she says it all the time on Facebook she's always like trying to show us off and she's just so grateful. because your
1: success is her success right
0: (laughs) yes absolutely and when I got to when I realized that I was like okay cool like we're all good then. Like everything, everything that happened way back when, like it's, it's all been forgiven. And, and I'm just so glad. I, I remember I had this big, I had a huge fear back then. Within those years where when I moved out of my mom's house, I was, um I was so afraid that I was going to have this resentment toward her until I lost her one day. You know, naturally I lost my dad. So I have, I have a, a bad issues and I just thought, you know, am I going to hold this resentment toward her until I lose her, and then if I do lose her, will I regret that I didn't have a relationship with my mom? And so I'm just, I'm just so grateful. Yeah, I'm really, I'm really, really, really grateful that even though she still hasn't fulfilled that need, like it's not about that anymore. It's, it's about like what she's actually done for me and acknowledging that you know she was really uh, that building block or stepping stone to to be where I am now, where I could, I I am smart enough to seek out that help um, in other places.
2: I was just going to say, Jen, that I really appreciate you saying that my relationship with my mom is something that I'm having a hard time kind of unpacking. And I think that you just summed a lot of it up (laughs) in that one little spiel. And so I think something that we deal with, I dealt with that on both ends of my family. I guess just the adults in my life, aside from my grandma and one of my aunties that were kind of like second moms are like sisters to me, um, in a sense growing up, because my parents were not emotionally available to me either in that mm-hmm. way. And that resentment is something that is strong. And I've felt a lot recently, and I have to always kind of center. It's nice to hear that come out of someone else's mouth, because it kind of centers me and brings a different perspective. So thank you for saying that.
0: Oh, well, I'm I'm glad, and I again I I thank Clarice. I feel like she's the catalyst of us finding healing on today's episode. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely.
1: Well, I have one more question. one more questions for you guys. Yes. Because I'm I'm just always curious about like other people's perspective, especially like Filipino American. How do you adapt the Filipino culture here in America? Like, how do you make it? Like, how do you mix it? Like, how do you Negotiate between the Filipino side of you and the American side of you, because I know both of you are. Well, at least like Nani is is mixed, and and Jen, you have you know American ways too. But it's like, how do you make that work? Like in everyday, like is this something that you're still struggling with, or is it something that, like, how do you guys do that?
2: I mean, for me. I would say it's definitely uh, something that I still struggle with and it's an ongoing process for me. It's probably the biggest part of my identity struggle is exactly how to do that. At heart, I feel very like like I identify with my Filipina side and that sense of, like I said before, Bayanihan that you grow up with in your family or that sense of kapwa, like the reason that we're all here talking on this call, you know? and the sense of kind of loyalty that you grow up with in your family all of those things are huge parts of me and kind of run how i operate in my day-to-day life but that don't necessarily agree with you know in my professional life in my love life in my relationships with my friends that's always been something that i struggle with just like one little example is my whole life i've always gotten mad at all my friends because I grew up very tight with my cousins. They were like siblings to me because, well, that's a different story, but uh, very tight with my cousins. And anytime I was having a problem at school, like I would tell my cousin about it and she'd be like, without even saying anything about what happened, she'd be like, do you want me to come up there tomorrow? Like, do you want me to fight that girl? (laughs) You know, and it was kind of this sense of like, this unspoken rule of like, your enemy is my enemy. You know what I mean? Like I got your back no matter what. And so I operate that way in my friendships and my relationships outside of my family. But that, I don't know what the right word is to describe that, but it's never reciprocated. And it's something that I always butt heads with people about. And I know that to them, it sounds so irrational and it sounds unusual and like it just doesn't make sense. But to me, I still can't let go of that. (laughs) Mm -hmm
1: wow that's um it's great that you have that support among your cousins that they have your back and that growing up with them it's great to have that connection and community,
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. without them, I would be lost <laughs> my best
0: friend him and and a couple of other friends that I had were very tight knit with their cousins growing up, and I used to just envy that I used to be so like jealous because I didn't have that, my relatives. So I, I think it's really awesome. Cause it's, you know, at the end of the day, it's like, okay, well for the holidays, I knew who I'm hanging out with my cousins, you know? And, yeah. um, and for, you know, those, those important events, it's like, you know, that you have like, by default, you're going to have that group. That's going to be there for you where for me, I, I had really uh, struggled with that growing up. And so, you know, for your question, Clarice, like why, or how, how I've adapted culturally, is uh, I feel like for me, I, I'm how how do I work? How do I explain this? I know I'm trying to say something. Just give me a minute. <laughs> it's 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 kind okay, of a, it's so a long story. Yeah, yeah. A it's long like story. <laughs> it, it is it is a long story actually. So going back to my relationship with my mom, the big defining moment or the the big point in my life where I just completely checked out of family was around the time it was in 2008 when my mom uh, lost her mom. Her mom had recently passed away. And so we all went back to the Philippines to to bury her and everything. And the thing is, whenever I would go back to the Philippines, my first cousin would molest me in my sleep. And mm. yeah, and uh, I, remember, I remember the first and last time it happened, but I, I think I've kind of blocked out what had happened in between. But um, anyway, I remember the last time it happened, I fought back, first of all, just so you all know, I fought back. And yeah. and it was like, and everything. But but the most important part was when I came to my mom and I told her, I said, my, my first cousin, our first cousin, her sister's son um, had molested me. And the first thing she said to me, and mind you, this happened while I was asleep. I woke up to it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so my mom, she said to me, well, why did you let him do that to you? And for me, that just like, like I snapped inside. And for the first, like the first and really last time I've been to the Philippines was, was that, no, no, no. I did go to the Philippines a couple of years ago, but not for family. But that was the last time I just, I, I went back for family because I remember I felt so unsafe and abandoned and wrong. And so I just told myself, you know, that, that escalated to the point where I eventually moved out. And so fast forward for today, I, I really like, I really had to get myself in what I considered a safe environment for myself. You know, I had to move out, I had to kind of figure out, you know, my life and what I needed to do and what my career was. So that now today doing this podcast show, you know, I can be in a place where I could I could learn. I can learn again. And I can look, I can figure out how to integrate the Filipino culture back into my life, but doing it from a safe place. Because I right. feel like most of my upbringing was extremely negative. And I just thought like, gosh, like, who wants to be Filipino if you're going to get molested, if you're going to get verbally abused, if you're going to, you know, if you're going to go through all these things, you know, it was for me, it was more than it was so much deeper than language. It, to me, my the Filipino culture was so tainted for me. but part of why I started this project and, and I've mentioned this a couple times throughout the shows uh, episodes is that like I wanted to rewrite my story like I I knew that that's not all there is to the Filipino community and my relationship with you know my mom and other Filipino women and my family and stuff like that but I really had to get into a safe place and I mean how can you be in a safer place than in your own office, like talking on a microphone and like, no one's in front of me, right. you know? <laughs> so, to, <laughs> so this is like as well, safe as it can be for me to learn so that day by day, like I feel like this podcast is my way of of starting to integrate, you know, the culture back into my life.
1: Absolutely. Right. And I just want to commend you for being so brave and putting yourself out there and, you know, being vulnerable. And I applaud you for- for doing this show and I really admire what you're doing because you're giving the Filipinas like me a platform to tell their stories and share their struggles because you're learning from, from that too. And I love that you're so revealing and you're so honest about yourself and that it really means a lot to me that you are putting the spotlight on not just, you know, other women, but yourself too, because you're out there, you're, you're, you know, this is your show, this is your project. So I'm really touched by what you said, and I'm so happy to, you know, be part of this project. It's amazing what you're doing.
0: Oh, thank you, Clarice. I, I will uh, be fully transparent. Like I I've, I've said this story. Uh, numerous times. I mean, maybe not on this podcast show. Oh, I did. I did once with Anna from entrepreneurship because she had experienced molestation herself growing up. But I have to say, like, I think because something about our conversation today is making me tremble. Like, I feel like I'm trembling right now. And I just want to thank you both for creating a safe environment, even for me to, to share my story, because it's, it's, I, I feel like, the more we get to share, like, then this is why I think it's so important to have these types of projects, not just this one, but all the other Filipino uh, type mm-hmm. stuff that's out there, because I really do believe that we are all trying to heal. You know, we come from. our our history is so broken, and we're so bruised. And, you know, I I think like, I think it's so beautiful. Like, I don't know if it's I I think I don't know if it's just this generation, or maybe I I haven't been exposed enough to it. But it just seems like there's this whole movement amongst the Filipino community to just to just like stop being catty and just heal together, you know, just heal and
1: right and help one another. That's so I, I actually I truly believe that too, because I don't think my mom or my parents' generation ever kind of had this. I mean, now that you look at Instagram and everything, is Filipino Filipino food movement. There's this Filipino language movement. They're 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 going back to their roots, and I see a lot of Filipino schools opening up. So it's mm-hmm. really wonderful to see that.
0: Ah, uh, yes, it's. It's nice. <laughs> I, I think it's, it's. Uh, I think we're very, I really do. Like, I don't want to take that for granted that we have so many uh, resources out there and everyone now has the tools to create something for themselves. Like one of, you know, our sponsor for this show is, is Anchor and Anchor in case, if you haven't been listening, if you've been skipping the episode, uh, the commercials guys, <laughs> Anchor is a, a free place for you to create your own podcast show. And so it's just to have that, just to have these tools today that makes it, it really kind of like evens out the playing field for a lot of people, especially if you have like little resources to get your art and get your work out there.
2: One other thing that I did think of for your first question about things that I wish that my parents did to uh, help me form kind of a sense of identity or sense of self that Jen has touched on before is storytelling. I don't Mm -hmm. think either of us in what I've heard on just this podcast really got a lot of that growing up, maybe because our parents were not, you know, emotionally available in that way. But Mm -hmm. I think that that's also huge in kind of what resonates with kids and what kind of helps them form that sense of self is the stories that they love, the stories that inspire them when they're kids, you know? So that's another right. thing that I would add to my answer.
1: And and absolutely, I think you're, you hit it like right on the nail, like storytelling, you know, is so important within our culture and passing on our traditions and our mm-hmm. values. I mean, if that's why I always hold the dinner table sacred mm-hmm. as a family. Like, it, I know we're like super busy. I get home at like seven o'clock and I still have to make dinner and I always make an effort to like set the table, put the plates and and the food and so we can all sit together as a family and tell our stories and check in with even though Isabel is only a toddler, I still ask her, you know, what happened at daycare today? What did you have for lunch? Who cried at the sandbox today? <laughs> you know, things like that. <laughs> even though even though she's, you know, she can only say a few words, but she is really getting the art of conversation and and getting, you know, the back and forth. And I think that is also part of, of, you know, our culture. And it's something that we could uh, really, should hold on to that part of that storytelling.
2: Yeah, exactly.
1: And just watching
2: Izzy for (laughs) an hour, however long we were there last month, she is, she's very aware. (laughs) So you're doing a great job.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. She's definitely a handful. (laughs)
0: just overall I I love that uh, for you Clarice it's about community and not just teaching all of this because community is how we learn it's like yeah I've been so far removed from my family for so long that was supposed to be my community and hence that's why I'm as Americanized as I can be because because I, I steered away from that I adapted more of the American culture. I mean, I was born American, but I I really fully embraced it, and I told myself mm-hmm. I was not going to learn Tagalog. I, I I remember that day after I talked to my mom, I was like, I refuse to be associated with Filipino culture as much as possible and learning my language is like I'm not going to learn it and and it didn't help when I had relatives say oh you should speak Tagalog or why don't you speak Tagalog I wish you would speak Tagalog you know it's like that wasn't encouraging <laughs> you know <laughs> and so no. I <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. definitely not for me by somebody saying that <laughs>
0: yeah exactly and so I love how you prioritize community and it's 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 my hope for even my own story that in building community with this project that who knows maybe maybe I'll consider getting back into learning it I know my sister who is She's near and dear to my heart. She's the most important person in my life. She's started to think, learn Tagalog. Maybe in my relationship with her, I'll be open to doing it. But I, I love that for you. It's not just about the language. It's, yeah, It's I can't emphasize that enough. It's about the community. I don't have any other way to describe it, but the community aspect and, uh, you know, knowing that you're taken care of in that way. I Wow. I think we had such an incredible conversation today and uh, what better way to wrap up this conversation than to share a life lesson. (laughs) And so Clarice, when I asked you, what is a life lesson you wanted to share today? You said that if you're going to help, help all the way through. And I'd love for you to elaborate on that. I know that you want to also translate it into Gullig. And if there's an aspect of your life, um, that led you to this life lesson? Uh, I'd love to hear you share that.
1: This was something that my grandma always said to me. Uh, it's in Tagalog, uh, she would say, kung tutulong karin lang, lugus, lugus muna. And it pretty much translates to, if you're going to help, don't do a half ass job, like help all the way. So I can tie it into my goal of having my daughter um, learn Tagalog. You know, I have a lot of expectations I have a lot of expectations for her to, to learn Tagalog and you know be fully conversational, but at some point I feel like you know maybe she might want to do story time anymore. And later on, when she's a little bit older, maybe her peers will be more important and being cool is being more important. I don't know how she'll continue to learn if her interest if she loses interest. But if I could re uh, you know if I could teach her to read and write in Tagalog, at least I can give her that skill set and that ability. So if she wants to pursue that interest later in life, she can continue on. So that's what I mean when I say, if you're going to help, you're going to help her all the way. I want her to be able to, you know, even though she doesn't, she's not conversational, if she can at least read in Tagalog, then if she wants to read, continue this forward like later on when she, she when she is interested then she can do it herself. And yeah, that's just something that I learned from my grandma like you just that's just something that was a value that she taught me if you're going to help just do it with the, your all of your effort, don't just do a, a half-assed job. <laughs> so yeah.
0: And you know, I think I hope that your daughter when she grows older Really appreciates you, Clarice, because whether she picks up the language or not, I hope that she is aware of how much thought you put into this, you know, how much you cared about yeah. her understanding her culture. Because I'm I'm sure Nani and I can agree to this, like our parents, like that just, it just wasn't a priority for them. And so, you know, here we are how many years later in life and as adults, like trying to, trying to do it like, ourselves. Yeah. Trying to figure it out. So so to say the least, like no matter what happens, I I hope your daughter at least, I I think she'll at least appreciate like, wow, my mom, my mom was really looking out for me.
1: Yeah. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. I think, yeah, I think she's, you know, definitely aware. And uh, I think she appreciates all the kids that she gets to play with at the library. And she her. like she was like running around she wasn't even taking it she was having like, a blast yeah she was having a glass, definitely <laughs> oh, I love yeah, that yeah I thought she was so
2: funny because every time I looked over her over at her she was over at the food table with the chips and not just <laughs> taking like one or two chips but she was like wanting to take the whole
1: bag with her I was like that would be me if I were one of these kids <laughs> yeah absolutely yeah I know it's- as far as I know, it's like you know she's getting all her nutrients. If she gets, you know, she, one day she has like one chip, I think it's okay. <laughs> so. Yeah, and I think she was more so worried about holding on to the chips
2: so nobody else would get them.
1: <laughs> eating them, she was so funny.
0: <laughs> wow, you know it's interesting because the majority of our listeners for this podcast are in California, in in NorCal, and so. As uh, With every episode, I feel like I'm collecting more ideas on when I do visit <laughs> and, mm-hmm. yeah. and, the, and the fun things I'll get to check out and stuff. So really, really stoked about that. Well, uh, Clarice, it's been an absolute pleasure speaking with you today. I just, I want to thank you so much for what you're doing with the Tagalog Project and just being the compassionate, introspective, thoughtful, compassionate mother that you are, your daughter is extremely lucky to have you. For anyone else, for any other mothers or anyone listening to the show, uh, if they wanted to learn more about you and reach out to you, how would they be able to do that?
1: I'm most active on Instagram, so they can always uh, DM me. And I'm also on Facebook but, and also, if they, well if they want to join the Tagalog project, there's a private like Facebook group where we can share and you know more interact with each other, and that's kind of like the core of the group where we share our our ideas about raising kids and things like that and Instagram, I think that's also valuable just because everything is more organized graphically, so if you want to mm. go back to like just ten positive things to say in Tagalog, like you can always look it up like it's more searchable and so I kind of like it in that way in that it's more organized because I can't find anything on Facebook like (laughs) I'm sorry I'm just like how do you organize this like I don't even know know. like I just post something and it's like disappeared
2: so definitely
1: Instagram (laughs) you can always DM me or go to the Tagalog Project website and email me there so yeah I'm totally open to collaborations and If you want to be a guest, a guest reader for Filipino Storytime, I'm totally welcome with that. And, you know, (laughs) always looking for, for other moms to connect with.
0: Or, or non-moms because we are. Or (laughs) non-moms.
1: Yes, definitely. (laughs) (laughs) non moms. (laughs) <laughs> yes yes to all the to, you we know still to count we still count yes
2: tita, <laughs> yes our and, tita and you cousins. You call me
1: tita. <laughs> tita nani which is actually a very yeah. um filipino name right tita nani or uh tita jen <laughs> yes yes,
0: yes. Yeah, that's what well. we have
1: uh laurent call me <laughs> oh, oh cool
0: that's nice awesome uh well nani do you have any closing thoughts before we wrap up
2: No, no, everything was, I thought that was a really good conversation.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Me too. You guys are really open and easy to talk to. I'm just um, really happy with the way that this whole conversation flowed. And uh, I love that you're, uh, you know, doing this podcast and you guys are doing great. (laughs) I'm I'm so happy to be part of it.
0: Well, thank you so much, Clarice. And yeah, I mean, this is, you know, you were asking, like, you, you were amazed that these episodes get pumped out really quickly. Well, that's part of my own healing process of this whole journey of being a Filipino American woman is, like, if I, like, I like to edit these shows afterward because it's uh, it's very therapeutic for me. Mm-hmm. And at the at the end of the night, like, it's just a fun thing to get back into. It's like, oh, I'm going to edit a show now, <laughs> you know? And, yeah. uh, and we're sort of, uh, for me, my, my goal is to get two episodes published every week instead of like one episode. So for anyone uh, that is listening to this, if the show had resonated with you in any way, and especially if you felt inspired to sharing your story, we would love to hear from you. You could just check out our show notes on how to do that. I also want to mention that for the way, if you want to get a hold of Clarice, you can get her information in the show notes as well. And, you know, with that said, Nani, I want to thank you for being my co-host as always. Yeah. Yes. And uh, Clarice, I want to thank you again. Can't thank you enough. I think this was a a really healing conversation uh, or insightful conversation for all of us and hopefully for our listeners as well. So uh, with that said, thank you everyone. Thank you to our listeners and we will see you all in the next episode.
1: Bye. Bye. Thank you.